Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Yeah, I mean, he's an underrated pitcher, very good. A lot of times pitchers, when they get away from uh, that ballpark in Cincinnati, they improve. And he has been excellent lately, so I think it's a good move for the Twins. They're finalizing this deal. They've been looking for starting pitching since spring training. And, look, they've gotten to first place and basically stayed there the whole season with kind of a makeshift rotation. So I think anybody they had is a plus. And, uh this will be the second deal that they have made with the Reds for a starting pitcher, Sonny Gray, being the first. Okay, welcome in, Mackie and Judd here. Uh, I got a question for you guys. As baseball looks to connect with a, a younger audience, is is Jeff Passan the only baseball insider that's under the age of 83? <laughs> All due respect to John Heyman and Tim Kirkchin. I mean, um, John Paul Morosi is young. That's true. Mor- yeah, Morosi. He well, he's not, I wouldn't say Alan he's young. young. He's, probably he's younger 40s. than you. Yeah, he's probably in his 40s. He's 40. But is there, is there a 40s. Shams? Is there someone out there? You know, the NFL has all these young whippersnapper PFF right. types out there, right? No, probably not. Not really. Baseball has a bunch of John Heyman's. <laughs> oh, the twins added a city gray. They've been talking to you guys. <laughs> well, you know what the, the, the stupidest thing was? The fact that MLB Network got rid of Rosenthal, who, look, I know rubbed uh, uh, the commissioner the wrong way because oh, he ripped him. Yeah, you can't but, do that. Which is just a bunch of crap. But how? But Ken Rosenthal is likable. He's really good. Yeah. And, like, he's good on TV. The bow ties. Yeah, I think he's good on TV. He wears bow ties and he's older, too. Yeah. You know, just, I'm just looking. Like, who's I'm the just... sham? Who's the shams? Is it Passan? Maybe Passan's That's the sham. That's Passan. Yeah. It's Passan. Huh. But... Yeah, I'm not really focused on this part. I'm I'm fine with old old folks because I'm old myself. Yeah, well, you're a you're a young spirit. Let's talk uh, about the twins now that we've had 24 hours to uh, digest the most active trade deadline, at least in the last. I mean, probably ever, but for sure since they became relevant again in 2001. So uh, let's just well let's go to Judd here. They lost last night, of course. They they came out and. Put up a dud, but what are you now, now that you've had a day to think on this? We did our emergency recap episode yesterday. How is it landing with you after a night's sleep? You know what? I remain impressed. They they essentially did something that going back not just through the Falvey regime, but years and years and years they have not done. They pounced on an opportunity, and it, it will now have to obviously play out. But they 
absolutely pounced on an opportunity um, and got pitching that is not like, oh, oh, it's Sergio Romo. Oh, it's Sam Dyson. So I remain very impressed by a commitment to looking at a situation and saying it's a bad division, we're in first place, and while your uh, closest competition basically did nothing or very little, you went out and made impact splash moves, not just to make them, but at uh, spots, bullpen and starting rotation, that you needed help. And so I'm hard-pressed to scoff at this at all or say, oh, uh, yeah, that's not. No, this is impressive. This is a type of move that I, until the three trades were made on on Tuesday, I had serious doubts that Derek Falvey on that day would ever do it. Because he's made trades, he's made splash moves uh, both on the open market uh, and as far as free agent signings go. So, like, we knew he could do, do that. We Hell, we knew he could trade top prospects, Petty, uh, who, who was traded in spring training for Gray. But the one thing that we hadn't seen was what we saw yesterday, which was sending a lot of pretty decent prospects elsewhere for the immediate gratification of trying to win now, which I think people in this town across the board are starved for. I think I think the two things to take away is they've bolstered their bullpen. They've given themselves much more better matchups in later innings. So obviously Jorge Lopez has kind of found found his groove here with Baltimore, turned into a really nice season after being a failed starter. Michael Fulmer, same kind of thing, a guy who was the rookie of the year and then kind of fell off as a Tiger starter. turned into a really good reliever. And this Twins front office loves guys who throw sliders. Like, I, I have no idea what the obsession of this. It's a good pitch, don't get me wrong. And if you throw it really well, it's a nasty wipeout pitch. And Michael Fulmer has one. Um, this season, p- opponents are hitting just 159 against his slider, and he throws it more wow. than any other pitch. So he's nasty. He's good. But I think it, it has set up themselves to have better opportunities in the later situations in a clutch playoff game to get themselves a win. I, I said yesterday they have bought themselves a win by selling these prospects. Um, I, look, if, if Molly is able to go out there and give them six, seven innings and go for the third time through the order, I'm going to believe that when I see it. But now that it, when you get into a playoff game, and it's three to one, four to two tie game. You have three legitimate options in Fulmer, Lopez, and Duran that you can use at your disposal. Um, you know, I, I've I've kind of kept going back to this broken record of of what the Brewers have done with their playoff uh, pitching staffs over the last few years. Is they they will pull a starter early. They will throw Josh Hader in the fourth or fifth if it's the middle of the order coming up. So now Rocco Baldelli and their pitching staff have that opportunity with three legitimate guys in their bullpen, and I like their chances to at least win a damn playoff game. The obsession with sliders is kind of funny. I, I think it'd be funnier if the Twins, you know, if they had like an Ephus pitch obsession, or they're just looking for guys who can throw that Tony Fiore, a little 40, yeah. Well, cutters <laughs> used to be, I feel like Mariana Rivera, he had a lot of teams really interested in, oh, we got to find guys who throw cutters. Like, well, he's just amazing at that one pitch. And if you if you aren't a master at it, then it's just a fastball that kind of sits belt high. But uh, but I digress. So the thing I like best about, I think, these trades yesterday is it eliminates the need, on paper anyways, to use crappy relief pitchers as often in close games. Mm-hmm. And if you look going into today's games, the Twins' bullpen has racked up the fifth most innings of any bullpen in the entire league. And you'd say, okay, well, that's a great strategy if you have an awesome bullpen, and they don't. Their second-best reliever on paper has been Emilio Pagan, basically, right? I mean, you could say that now that four months have passed, 
Griffin Jacks might be their second best reliever behind Duran, but but they, the the reality is they don't really have a defined second best reliever behind Duran. And now they have a second and a third best reliever, and then maybe Griffin Jacks kind of slides in as four. And some of these guys that you've been rotating in and out. I mean, they've used how many hundreds of pitchers it seems like this season. You shouldn't need to use those guys. The the, the Twins are obsessed with using four plus innings of relief pitching every single night because they don't believe in even with Sonny Gray, like they don't believe in going beyond eighty five pitches or. If they get to six innings, it's basically a complete game for a starting pitcher. So the more you can just not have to use crappy relievers in close games, the more games you're going to win. It's very simple. And and that's what they accomplished yesterday. They bring in two relievers who are good. It bumps out two relievers who are not good. They bring in a starting pitcher who's very good. And uh, they still have some problems at the bottom end of their starting rotation, but it just it eliminates the need to use crappy uh, pitchers. Now the Rays, you're going to look and say, oh, but the Rays are, you know, sort of a blueprint for for teams. They lead the league in bullpen usage, but traditionally the Rays have had, for whatever reason, whether it's their own internal pipeline or them bringing guys on and salvaging their careers, they always have like four or five oddly lights out relief pitchers. And this season's no different. They have in their bullpen. They have uh, four regular relievers with ERAs under three, and uh, one of them, Jason Adam, who's one of their like five different closer by committee guys, has a one point three zero ERA and eleven strikeouts per nine. So like it works for the Rays because they have an awesome bullpen that you can bring start bringing guys in in the fifth or sixth. It doesn't work for the Twins at least until now. And I'm a little bit torn here because on one hand, I looked at this bullpen for an extended period and said, how's it so crappy? Like, how, how did you not build, like, you're, you're supposed to know pitching. How did you not build a bullpen that was at least more competitive? Um, but where I give Falvey and the Twins a lot of credit is here. When's the last time that we said, and I mean, this is true of the Twins, but this, this is true of a lot of teams in this town. When's the last time that we said in season, here's exactly what you need? And it wasn't just this show. It was a lot of, like, it was obvious. You need at least a starter and two bullpen arms, and it happened. Like, that. that is impressive. Like, they went out and addressed directly what everyone knew, and I know that's sort of a no-duh. Well, of course they did. That's not true, though. I mean, there's been a lot of times where we've been like, you need this, and teams are like, oh, we'll be fine. Yeah. So so I do think that it's, um, that it's not a great thing that the bullpen turned out to be as unreliable as it's been. I do think it's impressive that for the first time in forever in this town, uh, the Twins brass made trades to actually what appears to be go for it as much as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. So, okay, what were your expectations for before the trade deadline, before they added these three arms? What were your expectations for what, if they would have just left the team sort of as is, or maybe they added like a you know, a Sergio Romo caliber reliever like they did in 2019, and they kind of rode it out for the rest of the year. What would their fate have been if they did that? And now what do you think their fate will ultimately be? I, yeah, I, I don't think uh, they probably back into the division. You know, this division's crap. And, you know, I know Cleveland's right behind them with the game, and it, we've been saying for three months, the White Sox are coming. They're going to wake up. I'm at the, I, I don't think they will. They might catch Cleveland. They 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 could get hot, but I, I'm not buying any, anymore that the, that the White Sox are going to all of a sudden now wake up and win like 50 of the remaining 70 games or whatever it is. 
Uh, if they did nothing, I don't feel really good about them going into the postseason. I just don't. I don't think that if, if they would have legitimately thrown the Caleb Thiel bars, et cetera, in the late inning situation with only Joan Duran as your viable high leverage relieving option, I think they would have blown a lot more games. And they didn't have the starting pitching caliber to go deep into games. They don't believe their starters should go deep into games. So I would have probably thought that maybe they back into the playoffs and by natural um, division winners, you get to host the playoff series in the wild card round because they'd be they'd have the third best record per se. But I wouldn't feel really good that they'd win a playoff game. Now I feel legitimately good that they can at least win a playoff game. I don't like Cleveland, but the more I thought about this uh, and yes, Declan is right. The division is crap. But you know what? If they don't make a move, like let's say that they do go out and get, um, you know, just a bullpen arm like Romo was in 2019. Um, I think the vote of no confidence in that clubhouse is so high that they might have just collapsed. Like when you, because I, I mean, you can't take away completely, especially in a professional sports season, which is just such a grind. I don't think that you can take away the human element of we sort of worked our asses off, but our pitching stinks and you did nothing. Um, so I would not have been surprised if, if they had absolutely uh, trended it to what they were essentially doing before the deadline and just gone in the tank and finished second or third. Mm-hmm. Because I can't imagine like if you're Correa and I'm not saying he quit, but if but if you've been contributing and you're like, OK, you got to get us some help here. And they come back with we we got you Sergio Romo. Yes, I think that clubhouse collapses. Yeah, let's talk about the human element here for a second because it's and I'm listen. I'm as much of a baseball analytics guy as as anyone the last ten or fifteen years uh, in this town covering this team. But there is an unquantifiable thing, and you you saw it with the idiot Red Sox in two thousand four, right? And you and you and you've seen it with I think certain Twins teams the other way where there's this propensity to wilt regardless of the roster and the manager they just I don't know they just they look at the Yankees and there's a human element thing there that sometimes the Yankees are just better and they win because it's baseball but other times over the course of 20 years there's a certain thing about the twins that just I don't know if they could believe they can beat the Yankees so if you would have told the twins directly or indirectly hey uh nice job getting to you know five or six games over 500 before the trade deadline but we're just not really we don't really believe in you and we don't want to mortgage the future for this current team mm. well I'm not saying that Carlos Correa is going to become unprofessional I still think he's a, a leader I think he's going to go about his business and ultimately he's playing for a contract that's more secure long term but guess what the last two months of the year he's probably a little less focused on being the best leader he can be for everyone else in that clubhouse and a little more focused on getting his numbers and where he might sign a new contract in November, right? So, now, is that the difference between five wins? It's so hard to quantify, but telling a clubhouse that you don't... Now, there was a time, I think, in 2017 where they kind of told the clubhouse, we don't believe in you, and it had the opposite effect, and they said, bleep you, Led by Brian Dozier, you know, the the verbal jabs at the front office, and they went on a run. So it can have the effect both ways, but I think this team, considering the fact they've played like six games below 500, maybe yeah. even, it might even be seven games below 500 since the last week in May, they needed to be told by the front office, hey, we got you guys. We believe in this thing. We're going we're gonna to mortgage some of the future, even though they didn't really mortgage that much of the future. They only traded one top 15 prospect. 
and we're gonna and we're gonna give you guys the ammunition you need, and we're gonna help fix the pitching here. So yeah, does it result in five extra? It's so hard to quantify, but I agree with you, Judd. I think it matters for sure. It feels like it makes you competitive, though. And and just as a starting point, players and fans care about that. Mm-hmm. Like when when you are the fan angle too. Like how many times can you tell the fans? Yep. Sorry, or just not. Uh, well, and I'm not mean, going to be aggressive here. I continually hear Emilio Pagan's uh, um, statistics and and advanced metrics like brought up as far as you know. He's actually doing pretty well here, and 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 at some point in time, you're just like, no, it, it's you know, like it has to become important what you're seeing, and I think that that's important to players too. Like at some point. You know, I'm sure you can go to Correa and and players and be like, well, look at the spin right here. I mean, you know, you know, and and Correa loves that stuff. But when you're getting hammered continually, and when like every time the guy jogs in from the bullpen, it's baseball Russian roulette. Yeah, that's a problem. So yeah, I I really do believe um, that what the Twins did on Tuesday is a major step towards taking themselves seriously, and I do and. I'm with both of you guys in the prospect thing. You know what? You didn't touch your roster. You didn't touch Miranda. Quite frankly, you didn't touch a top five prospect. Um, I think what they did was really well done. Yep. And and just one more note on this, just from a, a from a fan and uh, intangible perspective. For basically 20 years, Twins ownership and the Twins front office has been saying to good teams. And I, I, I'll even, I'll, I'll just, I'll leave it to the target field era. So 2010, because they did make the trade for Shannon Stewart in 2003, and that helped vault them. But even like 2006, that was one of the greatest teams in Twins history. And I don't remember that they had a chance to maybe add a bat to the middle of the lineup or another starting pitcher to at the time a healthy Francisco Liriano before he blew the elbow out in Johan Santana, and they just kind of let it ride. Yep. And then, and then they get to target field, and they have that awesome like 95 win team in 2010 and they said okay well cliff lee's a little rich for our blood but we'll go get matt caps and matt caps was fine people rag on matt caps but they traded wilson ramos for matt caps and caps didn't caps wasn't the difference in the division he didn't do anything in the yankees playoff series you know 2019 rolls around it's a 100 win team that was the greatest power hitting team in the history of major league baseball and they said we like you we don't love you. We'll bring right. in Sergio Romo and a banged-up Sam Dyson who pitched for about five seconds and then was on the injured list the rest of the year. So for them to tell the team and for them to tell the fans, hey, whether this works out or not, we're going to be aggressive at the deadline, more aggressive than we've been in the 12 years, 13 years at Target Field, and more aggressive than we've been basically since the Twins rose from the dead in 2001 from contraction. And for that, I think I think they should be applauded. This is the absolute right thing to do for the team and for the fans that have been clamoring for this for basically two decades. This also shows a very important thing. And and five-plus years in, I think it's the maturation of Falvey as an executive, and here's why. I understand that, that having a deep system and developing prospects is incredibly important, okay? So I'm not putting that down for one second. But I think where executives mature, and when they're young, they don't necessarily do this, uh, but they start to realize a lot of times time is of the essence, is this expectation of success as opposed to pouncing. Like what the Twins did on Tuesday is pouncing. My guess is this. They started 
April saying we finished in last place in 2021. We're okay, but we're not great. Let's see where things go, right? And like the bullpen's not great. Okay, but we're not great necessarily. Um, and as the season unfolds, you're like, okay, there's opportunity here. And and it is not the Twins' fault that the division stinks. Like, like it's not like, well, you guys should have known the division would stink. Okay, that's surprising. Pleasant surprise, right? So I think the difference now is is at his age and with his experience that Falvey and the entire Twins brass pounced on an opportunity. What drives me crazy is when prospects are used as expectation of, well, I mean, you just wait four years, right? And it felt like in 19, that's what we got. Very much, uh, this is going to go for a long time. You don't get this. I mean, keep in mind, there was no doubt the 2010 Twins thought the 2011, 12, and 13 Twins would be good. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I don't think they foresaw absolutely. we're going to fall off a bleeping cliff. Let's go for it. Like, if you went back now. We can't says, trade Aaron Hicks. He's going he's gonna to help us in 2012. Exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, if you think about that now, if Terry could go back, right? And if you told Terry, hey, dude, it ain't going to go well. But you can go for it right now. Totally different. So I, they, I yeah, they could they could have landed Cliff Lee, I think, for Aaron Hicks plus a couple others, and yeah. they and they balked at Aaron Hicks from what I had always heard. And in retrospect, that looks ridiculous. Yes, <laughs> especially when you consider what happened. Mm-hmm. That's and, the thing. And again, if if Spencer Steer turns out to be a multi-time All Star, I don't care. And they don't they don't have to have Spencer Steer and some of these pitching prospects be bust for the idea of this trade to be the correct oh. idea. You're looking. This is kind of a once in a ten years chance, even though they're at, they're playing at an eighty four win pace right now. So it's not it's not like they're lighting it up, but but you don't, how often are you going to get a relatively healthy Byron Buxton? And fingers crossed on the the knee exams this week. Yeah. Carlos Correa in his prime on your team, he can opt out after the season. Mm-hmm. Luis Arai is probably having the peak hitting season of his career, on pace to win the batting title, four hundred on base percentage. He's just probably at his peak. And uh, and Jose Miranda clicking and red hot like this. There's no guarantees that he is like this in two years. We don't know, but he's hot right now. Right, all these things clicking. Sonny Gray not going to be around in five years from now. So I, yeah, it's just who cares what Spencer Steer is going to be in five years from now? I want to help this team right here win yeah. more games. And it's sort of sad, but while the mission of of Score North is for the Vikings to very much win a Super Bowl, the really sad thing is. The starting point for the Twins is to win a playoff game. Oh. Like that, mm. that streak is among the most embarrassing ever in sports. Yep. If you yeah. can just break that streak, um, it is. I mean, think about it. 18 baseball games consecutively lost in the most important time of year. By a team, the Twins, that was a 90 and 100 win team for almost all of those games. Yeah. So, uh, just so you guys know, too, on flagrant howls with Kyle Tige, we have set the wol- the Wolves bar at we want a fifty win season. They haven't won fifty games in a season since two thousand three, two thousand four. They've only done it four times in the thirty two years of franchise history. So eventually, we would like championships, but sometimes you have to meet the team where they're at. And the Timberwolves are sort of uh, you know they won forty six games last year. I think they won forty seven with Jimmy Butler. So let's get to the first step, which is win 50 games. It's not and then that we much. can then we can hunt for championships. <laughs> That's a very and, fair ask. And for the Twins, let's get to the first step, which is win a game. And then maybe we can even alter the expectation in October. If they can win a game, then okay, now what's the what's the new goal? Maybe it's win a series. 
And then Best maybe next three. year it's when get to the ALCS or something. But we got to meet meet these teams where they're at sometimes. Best of three, two, win game one. I don't want this puppy at 19. <laughs> like, I want game one. I want to end it at it game gets one. gets to 20, oh, my God, dude. If they lose, if they just get swept out, it gets to 20. Look at Declan. Look at the look on mm. Declan's face. You look like you're about I'm to gonna throw I'm going to be apoplectic. Up. Yeah, I will. I will. I, I will have to. I'll have to take time off just to just to recharge of, of my anger and and go on like a, <laughs> a, a, a sabbatical of somewhere to some place just so I can clear my head. I think they got it this time. I think it sets up now. If, if Buxton has to have season-ending knee surgery or something, then they can yeah. they can still win the division probably, and they could still. It's baseball. You can still win a game. I mean, hell, didn't the Nationals win a World Series without Juan Soto a few years ago? Wasn't he hurt? I don't. Or am I thinking of? Hurt, uh, I don't remember if he was hurt. I didn't think. so. Or am I thinking? Uh, did the be. did the Braves win one? One of those National yes, League teams won a World year. Series without their. Acuna. Acuna Acuna was was out out last year. Yeah, he tore his knee up. See? So it can be done. You can win a game. These teams are winning World Series, for God's sakes, with their star players. So uh, one one last Twins thing to tie up here in just a second, but a shout-out to our friends. The official dog food of Mackie and Judd is Nutrisource. And uh, you'll see on the uh, YouTube channel here a video of a very excited Maya Mackie here. She is our three-year-old Chihuahua Terrier mix. And, boy, she just... Sometimes I'll scoop, so maybe mom will take her out in the morning, and then dad will scoop her a little Nutrisource. Oh. And she'll just sprint upstairs. She'll blow right by dad, won't even say hi, and yep. just in about three and a half seconds, she'll just plow her Nutrisource because she loves it. She loves it. How, how's Stella doing with her first couple batches of Nutrisource? Uh, she's d- doing so good that the wake-up call today came at 5.45. 5.45 wow, in the morning. She doesn't I was bu- sleep. She waits for she Nutrisource. She waits for Nutrisource and the treats that she gets when, when she goes outside. Yeah, I was uh, I was awoken by two definitive barks saying, get up and feed me my Nutrisource right bleeping now, Dad. I'm going to tell you, she runs the house, which is fine, but the Nutrisource has, uh, has become definitely... Definitely the food now of Stella Zolgan. NutrisourcePetFoods.com to find a retailer near your NutrisourcePetFoods.com. A shout-out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They've been around for over 100 years helping businesses maximize their level of success through risk management tools and resources. And Federated's corporate culture is grounded in equity, integrity, teamwork, and respect. They take those four cornerstones to your business. And uh, you can find out more about how they can help you at... Uh, federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. So one last thing here. We'll get to write that down predictions, but very quietly yesterday through all of the the trades and the roster moves and everything, in order to make room for the new acquisitions, one of the moves the Twins made was to put Miguel Sano not just on the injured list where he was, mm-hmm. but the 60-day injured list, mm-hmm. which effectively, if you start to do the math, Ends his season, right? Yeah, I mean, you could, he might need surgery. They said okay. there's a chance that. that but he didn't. He already had surgery, so he's yeah, going to get the, the other surgery. It didn't go well, I guess. It didn't take. So he did the short term surgery. Yes, but he but then he tweaked his knee. Correct. And in they, a they minor talk, league game. Yeah, and and Provis talked about it on the broadcast last night that there's a chance I think that he might need surgery again. So. So. That's probably a wrap on his. I mean, the only way is if somehow his knee, knee starts to feel good enough. But they didn't. You know, I, I think if they didn't make all these moves, they probably would have given him some time to see how it felt. But it was like, oh, we need a roster spot. Let's just move him to the sixty day. They didn't even give him a chance. It, 
I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't question the injury by any means. I'm saying if they had more of a runway without – if they didn't add three pitchers or if they had some other obvious candidates to DFA or put on the 60-day injured list, they would have given him more time to see how he feels in two weeks. But they just decided, you know what, enough's enough. He's never healthy. When he's healthy, he's not productive. Right. The three years of his peak prime, ages 27, 28, 29 – and he's hitting 207 with a league average OPS and below average defense. Right. So how will you, if this is the end of Miguel Sano's Twins career, and we can do a, a deeper dive at the end of the season on this when he's officially gone, but what, you know, how are you going to remember the eight years of Miguel Sano? Incredible disappointment. Um, when, when you consider the, the expectations, and these are two very different players and stories, okay? but when you consider the fact that Sano and Buxton were coming up at the same time and the expectations for those two, and the Buxton thing is just sad. And by the way, he's trying hard to play, and when he plays, he can be great. Uh, Sano, though, will always be, and, and I, I know he made at least one all-star appearance. I know that there were years where he certainly showed great power. But overall, when you consider the expected productivity with what you got and when you look at the self-inflicted wounds, which are showing up in bad shape, you know, being sent down in uh, in June of one season, not because you're hurt, but because you are so grossly out of shape, they have to send you to Florida. Um, I don't know technically if the word bust applies to a guy who played as long as he did with the Twins and, and uh, generated as much power as he did. But in the back of my mind, it's bust. And it is an incredible disappointment that he did not capitalize on what clearly was um, a fantastic opportunity. I'm a little split because on one hand, um, you know, to Judd's point, he still was able to to play a good amount of games. He racked up a ton of home runs. He did make an all-star game. That's great. But at the end of the day, I I, I think you can call him a bust. I mean, this guy was supposed to be a franchise-saving, altering player. And yes, cautionary tale of baseball prospects, right? Miguel Sano. This, I mean, it's honestly a, a prime example of, of cautionary tale. Don't always buy into the hype. I mean, if Kirill Kaprizov came to the wild over from the KHL and, was, and just stunk and just wasn't the player he was, was, a, was not a good worker, did not score the goals, we'd be saying massive bust. And, and Kirill, by the way, was only a fifth-round pick, but the hype was obviously real. The hype was obviously real for Miguel Sano, too. And he couldn't stay on the field. And after a very, honestly, promising rookie campaign when he got called up halfway through that 2015 season, I think we all were saying, oh, my God, this is for real. Like, the guy has power. The guy's drawing walks. He's playing at least some pretty decent defense. And then after that, it just never was consistent. I think you can call him a bust. It's a bust. Yeah, I think if you're if you're looking at what the expectation was as you followed his minor league career and then his rookie season where he just looked he looked like the second coming of Miguel Cabrera, opposite field, right. contact, everything average. And, and where he sort of landed 8 years later, there's a huge gap between expectation and and where he's at. Now, on the flip side, he's actually going to finish his Twins career third among if you take out the Washington Senators, if you just look at Twins history, Third highest slugging percentage in Twins history. Harmon Killebrew, Justin Morneau, Miguel Sano, just above Kent Herbeck, Shane Mack, one of the most underrated Twins of all time. By Rule the way. 5 guy, Shout too. Shane Mack. So, but, that, but that was kind of his only redeeming quality as a player. He hit a bunch of home runs in an, when he was healthy in an era where home runs are flying out of ballparks at an unprecedented rate. So, yes, he was great at that one thing, that one tool of the five, but... 
almost everything else was a train wreck with him, including just the fact that he never really kept himself in peak physical right. condition. Every other year or right. more, it was Miguel Sano lost 20 pounds, 30 pounds. And he's like, dude, be a professional. What do you, why are you, why are you gaining 30 pounds? What do you, I get that the food's free back there and it's amazing, the spreads, but dude, this is, you have a, a 12 year window in your life to capitalize here and to make as much money as possible and to play this game. And then you can go get as fat as you want after you're 35 years old and retired. Look at all the other baseball players. The football players get skinny after they retire. Baseball players balloon. And that can be you. It'll be great. But um, I'm just going to remember him as a disappointment on the field in terms of his inability to stay healthy and to, you know, to stay in shape. And you know, he didn't live up to expectations. Sorry. I think it's very fair to say this. He didn't take it seriously. Like, he had talent, for sure. But when you think of, and, and yes, it, it was the previous regime, and yes, it was a different time. But the real red flag at first, because Dex is exactly right. He came up, and he was marvelous. Pitch selection, he was taking pitches, he was great. But when you think about the fact that the previous regime moved him to right field now, like, that is such a red flag. Because they basically said, well, he'll stay in shape there, right? No. And he'll be bad out there. He's going to get a few more steps walking out to right <laughs> um, field. But, I mean, can you, but can you imagine if this guy had applied himself completely? He, he could have stayed at third base where he would have, you know, market value-wise would have skyrocketed at, if, if he had stayed at third base. So I think the sad thing is, and I'm sure that there will be some on Twitter that disagree and are very upset, but the sad thing is he never took it as seriously as he should have. So uh, Miguel Sano, Twins career, probably over. If you missed our just immediate reaction to the Twins trade deadline yesterday, you can find that on the Score North YouTube channel, on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. Uh, we're going to take a break for a second here and come back with Write That Down predictions and an accountability session. Mackie and Judd. Uh, yeah, most sports talking heads make predictions, then hope you forget about how wrong they were. But not Mackie and Judd. Write this down. This is the big leagues where we own our terrible predictions write that down. and keep track of each other's batting averages. It's Write That Down. Write it down. You like writing things down. With Mackie and Judd. Write this down. Yes, indeed. This is the most innovative segment in all of sports media right here. This is where we keep track of our predictions with statistics and put our careers and reputations on the line every single week. When are you going to admit that you were wrong, Judd? Yeah, Judd. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to do it twice today. Mm. I'd prefer next week to do it once if we could just cut out a segment entirely. I know we can't, but um, uh, yeah, I'll be doing it twice today. Okay. <laughs> can't make that decision. <laughs> I know I can't. Here's how it works. Three predictions from everybody each week. They must be quantifiable. We keep track of batting averages and home runs. And listeners, if you want to participate like Jason is about to, you can send us a message through the Score North app, which is free to download. Hmm. It's a central hub for everything we do. Judd's written camp notes and articles about the Vikings throughout the season, all of our podcasts and videos and everything we're doing at Score North can be found there. And it's where we... Generally collect uh, feedback and thoughts from you guys for Feedback Friday shows as well. So today's episode of Write That Down presented in part by our friends at Spiral Light Candles. If you're looking for a gift idea for an upcoming anniversary, whatever it may be, we've got the idea for you. That's exactly right. And if, if you're a fan of the purple, guess what? Judd's Purple Positivity Candle, which I'm showing you right now, is available. SpiralLightCandles.com. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, what would be 
better than a beautiful, rich-smelling, fantastic candle that's going to send? It's going to give the house a great aroma. What would what would beat that? Nothing would beat that. Family-owned and operated Spiralite um, is is local, so the shipping is quick. Lots of great scents that will make your home smell fantastic. And that means, as Phil said, it's a great gift for your mom, your girlfriend, your wife. Heck, if you're a guy that likes candles, no shame in that. Spiralightcandles.com. And again, the Judd's Purple Positivity Candle now available by simply going to spiralightcandles.com. Check them out. Show us your wick. Show us your wicks on Twitter. Right there. I'm showing you my wick. There it is, right there. See, it burns like this, too, so there's two wicks. This is incredible. Be careful. You you don't want your wick to burn too much. Uh, All right, let's get to the accountability session here, boys, where we go through all of the incorrect and correct predictions. Kind of a a busy week here because we had the trade deadline pass. We'll start with Judd. Oh, yeah. A few things came off the board Uh. for you. You said the Yankees will obtain Luis Castillo from the Reds. The Mariners got him. You said Miguel Sano will hit at least two home runs and strike out six times in the last week between last week and this week's write that down. I no, regret that. Uh, <laughs> no one can say that you didn't have faith in Miguel Sano. Yeah, yeah. But, I now regret, but I now regret that greatly. Oh. feel like I should have known better. You said the Twins will trade Austin Martin before the deadline. I don't think he was playing well enough to even consider a team trading for him. They would have sold low. Untouchable. But you did say the Nationals will trade Juan Soto before the August second deadline. They were hell bent on getting a deal done. And and who's is it? Mike Rizzo. Who's the GM over there again? Yeah, sounds right. For the Nationals. Did you Mike guys Rizzo. see his press conference yesterday? No. Did he like wear the ring or something and say like something about yeah. like this is all about getting back to here and you know, like, I wore the ring on purpose to show all of you yeah. you know what can be done, what we've done before, and building a team. It's like ah, they're a mess. They are a complete mess in Washington, but they do have a, they do have a World Series championship in yeah. the last thirty years, which is sure. good for them. Okay, I had a pretty good, good week here. We'll start. Yeah. We'll start with the bad here. I said the Twins will acquire Joey Gallo by the deadline. No, <sighs> they're going to regret it. I said Triple H will open Monday Night Raw in the opening segment after SummerSlam. He to this point has not. I don't think he's been an on camera no. guy at all not since, yet. but he's made a lot of big changes. So. The game. I said Miguel Sano will have at least five extra base hits in the last week. Mm. However, I told you guys the Twins would trade for at least three pitchers before the trade deadline. And not minor leaguers, but actual roster guys. You said that was the threshold for being a home run. Yep. Yep. I've never really done that before. I said the Twins will trade at least one of their top ten prospects before the deadline. Spencer Steer, get out of here. And I told you that Ric Flair at age 73 will bleed in his last match at the end of July. And, oh, boy, did he ever. That's right. His opponent after the match in some interview with a wrestling blog said he was worried that Rick was going to bleed out or you know, bleed too much at age 73. I got to think if you're his opponent, you're just worried about killing him on accident in the ring. So I'm glad that. Nothing tragic happened. Only Ric Flair would fake a heart attack in front of his own family just to poke somebody in the eye in classic Ric Flair fashion. <laughs> Judd, he so Ric Flair, who again has a pacemaker and yeah. has not been cleared at all to do this at age seventy three. Really, I think one doctor cleared him or something. And he even said in an interview, "I haven't even really talked to my heart doctor since starting this." I, I 
I don't really want to know. And uh, and so, I don't know, five or ten minutes into the match, and his family is sitting right along the, the barricade right next to the ring. Sure. And he's outside the ring. <laughs> And he and he like he's kind of wobbling already because he's pretty tired. And he like grabs his left arm and his heart. Oh god! And, and, oh god! <laughs> god! <laughs> and people are like, "Oh my god! This is exactly what we thought was going to happen. He's dying of a heart attack." Wow! Yeah. And then he and then he poked his opponent in the eye. <laughs> the Terrible. dirtiest player, player in, in the, the game. game. That's right. Ric Flair. Okay. All right, listeners. Nick said the Twins will make at least one trade at the deadline. But they will uh, not give up one of their top five prospects. Both of those things were correct. Pretty, con- it's a parlay, but it's you know pretty conservative prediction there. Twins don't often give up top five prospects. Steven right. said Roman Reigns will be Universal Champion for at least seven hundred days. He hit the seven hundred day mark this last week. Nice. And Mike said by the trade deadline, the Twins will still have a top fifteen starting rotation earned run average. Well, we can cut this one off right there. They do not. Uh, and they'd be bottom five in offense. I think they're actually top five in offensive OPS, I want to say. Okay. Going into the trade deadline. So that's wrong. A little mixed bag here for Declan. You said Carlos Correa will rip the Twins for yeah. not being aggressive enough at the deadline. I know that you put an end date of December 31st yeah. here, but. Yeah, I think we can take it off the board. I figured that would happen. That's fine. If he somehow does come back and rip them, we can revisit this. Sure. But I think he's got to be pretty happy. You said Matt Wallner will be traded. Gio Urshela will be traded. But you did say Liv Morgan and Bianca Belair would both retain their respective titles at SummerSlam. Thank you. And the Twins will acquire at least two pitchers to their 26-man roster. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Very good. No, no. I, uh, solid week. Base knocks. Doing great. And with that, Declan's average down a little bit, but still sitting at 489 with 13 home runs. Both of those lead the league. Judd's at 366 with seven home runs. I'm at 306 with nine home runs. Listeners at 300 with 10 home runs on the season. So this is probably as good collectively as we've all done in the history of Write That Down. I don't know that we've ever been this deep in a season where everyone's hitting over three or 400. Mm-hmm. We got some couple, for sure, Declan pacing for 20 home runs. Listeners might flirt with 20 home runs. So it's been a great year. Good season all around. Yeah, good base knocks. Well, Base knocks here, man. That's all I'm looking for. Go for two for Luisa five, Rise. and you still drop in the batting average. That's I am Luisa Rise. You are, good. and that, and you lead career wise with 234 uh-huh. hits. We've been keeping track of stats since 2018. Listeners leading with 29 home runs, and so there you have it. Let's get our guy Jason in here, our guest listener predictor for the week. I'll throw this off so we can bring Jason in. And uh, we're going to make it official here. Jason is now, and he, and he's sort of held this mantle for the last couple of years here, but he is the chief meme officer of Vikings Twitter and Score North. We are anointing you officially here, Jason. Welcome aboard to the cabinet. I humbly accept the position. So thank you very much, sir. <laughs> awesome, man. So you're uh, you're making your first, like, Actual on-camera appearance on Write That Down. You've been a via satellite guest before. So yes. uh, give us a little background. When did you become a Minnesota sports fan, Jason? Oh, man. Uh, for as long as I can remember, my uh, dad instilled my Vikings fandom into me at a very, very early age. So. Child abuse. Child abuse. <laughs> you know what? You know, it's uh, it's okay. You know, this, I've, this team's given us a lot of heartbreak, but there's also been a lot of great moments. So hopefully... We have better days ahead of us, so I'm looking forward to it. 
Yep. That's I think that's all people spoken can, like can a hope true Vikings here. fan. Yep. <laughs> so here's how this works. We're going to go around the room three times. We'll start with Jason, and uh, really the only restriction here is that the predictions must be quantifiable. So write this down, Jason. Why don't you lead us off with your first prediction? I will do that. All right. Uh, so write this down. My first prediction is the Detroit Lions will have a better regular season record than the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I, I'm kind of rooting for the Lions a little bit. Kind of rooting for Dan Campbell. Kneecaps. Not like I don't want them to be like better than the Vikings or anything, but I kind of want them to be competitive. And the Bears don't want to win. You guys see the video where he was doing the push-ups with the rest of the, the players? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> He's incredible. He's Tice. It's Ticey all Dude. over again. It's a He's, lot of the same stuff. He's like a more aggressive, chiseled version of Mike Tice. He's more chiseled than Mike was. I think yes. Dan. I don't. I, I don't. I think Mike Tice at the end of the day is more of a bloviator. Where if it came down to it, like he's probably not going to fight you. I think Dan Campbell would fight you and cut you. <laughs> I, I wouldn't Tice, want to fight Dan Campbell. I wouldn't either. Now Tice, at, at one point in time, I think it was during a practice, actually, as the head coach of the Vikings, came out in full pads with a helmet on. <laughs> I'm waiting for Judd Dan to do Campbell that. is yet to do that. He like came out there and he was all geared up. So that's Dan Campbell's next assignment. I love it. If you ranked the NFL coaches based on how likely they would be to put on a full uniform and mix it up in practice, Dan Campbell's number one yeah. for sure, right? Hundred percent. Yep. Let's it might not even be that clean. Him and Ric Flair. How about that? Yeah. Ric Flair. Yeah. <laughs> see that. He might kill him. Who would be number two? Are there any other coaches that you could see putting an actual, actual uniform on? Ooh. I could see Sean McVay going back and like returning nah, some punts in a full he's uniform. He's too small. Yeah, but it... <laughs> oh, that's a good question, man. I don't know. Who's the Jets coach? Uh, Robert? Is it Robert? Oh, Sala? Robert Sala. Yeah, he, that's he could a good put one. on some pads. He could put on. Some I read pads on Twitter that uh, KOC was throwing passes to uh, the receivers. Some I saw it. I could see that. Yeah, a little bit of a hitch. A little bit of a hitch. I saw maybe the hitch. Should, maybe he should be the backup just in case. Yeah, footwork wasn't great. <laughs> Got to work with them a little bit. I like it. I'm hoping for Andy Reid to put the pads on like again, just yeah. like in that punt pass and the kick Rams video. thing, where he's the biggest. Where he's like 12 years old and he weighs like 240. Yeah, it's looks incredible. like he's 23 years old. He's kind of kind of hunched over in that uniform. Yes, all these little kids uh, by him. It's like he's the same age. All right, is it me? Yes. Yes. All right, write this down. Jorge Lopez will have an ERA below two for the remainder of the regular season with the Twins. So Lopez will have an ERA of below two as a twin for the rest of the regular season. I don't want the playoffs to be used against me. So you're not too concerned about his his numbers in July taking a little bit of a, a dive? No. Okay. No, I'm not. Write this down. Dex? All right, I'm going to parlay this um, and also just get this off the board. So write this down. Jorge Lopez, Michael Fulmer, and Johan Duran will all appear in a postseason game that's won by the Twins. Oh. See what I'm doing here? This this is good. This is a home run. Yeah. You're trying to will this to happen. I'm willing this to happen. They'll snap their postseason streak. Yes. And those three guys, even if one of them just throws one pitch, they have to appear in the game. All three of them will appear in the game in a postseason game that's won by the Twins. And I know this is shocking to wrap your head around, but if they win more than one game and they all appear in different games that are won, it counts. It doesn't help. They don't. You're saying they don't all have to appear in the same game. Let's say they win two games and two of them appear in one game and the no, other one appears. The same game. No, I'm saying the same, the same game. game. I'm saying the one, same okay. game. Okay, one game. So if they appear in different games, uh, right? All three of them will appear in a single game that's won by the Twins. 
Got it. Yeah. Okay. Just want to be clear. Yep. Write it down. You like writing Still things home down. Run, obviously. Yes. All right. Write this down. I think yesterday the Twins were maybe a little, you know, maybe they were still processing what happened, but today they're going to wake up feeling rejuvenated. It's a day game today, right? Yep. Yep. Looks like a noon noon start time. So Buxton's back. Um, I'm making this prediction at, uh, well, the game starts in like an hour. So I'm making this prediction right under the gun. And Buxton's back in the lineup. You said itching. So write this down. The Twins will score at least nine runs in today's game against the Tigers. Who's starting for the Bengals? Uh, Tyler Alexander. He's two and four with a four point one zero earned run average. Good stuff. I like their chances. <laughs> that's, that's all the that's all the information you need Thanks, right Dad. there. I love their chances. So uh, and and you know they're they're averaging nowhere near nine runs. So I want this. This is a home run prediction yeah. if it happens. Right, it's an offensive outburst. Nine runs or more against the Tigers today. Write Absolutely. it down. You like writing things down. All right, Jason. All right. So everyone's always talking about Kirk Cousins' durability, right? Well, age is catching up to Kirk. So I think uh, I think something's going to happen to him this season. So write this down. Kirk Cousins will miss at least one game during the regular season due to injury, not illness. Got it. All right, Tanya Harding. Why? All right, Jeff, right, Jeff Galuli. Why me? Jason, Why me? Jason waiting in the hallway. I can sort of hear Kirk. Does that not make me a real fan anymore? I'm just, I don't know. I can hear bar. Kirk. I can hear Kirk saying that. Why me? Why me? God. Write it down. So you bad. like writing things down. All right, Sean Mannion. Go warm up. Right back to Judd. Okay, I'm going to counter Phil's prediction because um, I don't believe the <laughs> Twins will score n- nine runs ultimately today. So the uh-huh. Twins will score fewer okay. than nine runs in what? W- dude, in, dude. in in Wednesday's game. Again, no, right. no, I disallow the, this from happening. <laughs> the Twins, yeah. the Twins will score. Well, it, it's a prediction on the board. Listen, I it's 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 within the rules. It's within the rules. No, I agree. So Bunt. so what, what, what I'm saying do. is I'm lowballing you. you. I'm lowballing you. In in fact, you know what? The Twins will score seven or fewer runs. How about that? I'm going lower. Okay. Twins Thank will you score for seven or off. fewer runs. Yeah, well, what the heck? It's within the as Phil just said, it's within the rules. I can do it. I I want the hit and this team has notoriously not knocked out pitchers it should. Even when it looks like they're going to. Now I want Mackie to get the home run. Now I want to. Now I want him to sit. In I'm nine. very confident. Yes. very confident. You do, uh, you, Judd. Exactly yeah. right. How this about that? This is one of the more cowardly. Jack, we're trying to disallow it. One of the more cowardly. Oh, I don't want to hear any cowardly predictions from this panel. <laughs> pardon our, Pardon me, but I don't want to hear anything about cowardly predictions from what's turned into at times a complete gong show of cowardly predictions. Speaking okay? of cowardly predictions, we're going to get to one of Judd's most ridiculous checkdowns that came off the board in the history of Purple Daily. Write that down today on the Purple Daily version, Great. where it's not. It wasn't just a checkdown. It was like the ball was snapped, and he just like. I think what happened was Justin Jefferson came across the line of scrimmage and he just tossed it to Justin Jefferson and said, here, you do the work. A little shovel pass? A little jet and, sweep motion. Until yeah. you guys write It was a pass in, technically, but you just flipped it to Justin Jefferson. Until and you guys put rules in the rule book that stop me from exploiting the, the issues that make write that down so much fun for guys like me, I'm going to use them. <laughs> hey, don't hate the player, down. hate the game. Exactly. Yeah. All right. All right, Declan. All right, so he is starting today. But I'm going to still keep this on the board. So there's uh, there's 24 games as of today left for the Twins in the month of August. There's 24 games left for the Twins. But write this down. 
Byron Buxton will start no more than 12 games in the month of August. So I'm saying he's going to play in 12. He's going to start 12 games or less for the rest of the month of August. I think this knee issue is legit. I think they're going to arrest him a ton. So he'll only start 12 games or less in the month of August. They're in kind of a weird spot because they've they've given back a lot of the equity they built up in the first month and a half of the season where they were like 12 games over 500. And now it's tough because you... If you had more of a cushion, like if you had a seven-game lead in the division, in a bad division, you could feel more comfortable just resting Bucks. Let's, let's ramp up the rest plan. Let's not put him on the IL, but let's you know, maybe back-to-back days off here and there and then get him ready for the stretch run. But you're gonna like you're one game up on Cleveland right now, so you need your best lineup out there as often as possible. Write this down. But despite all that, despite the Byron Buxton injury and only having a one-game lead on Cleveland... This is kind of a parlay, but the, the prediction officially is not only will the Twins win a playoff game, the Twins will sweep their first round, boys. The Twins will sweep their first round playoff matchup. I don't know against who. I don't know if they win the division, wild card, whatever. But they wow. to death right there. It better not be the Yankees. Endo. Well, the, I don't think they can play the be. Yankees in the first it round. It can't be the Yankees. Unless, yeah, there's a... It's going to be like Seattle or Toronto. Somebody like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seattle, I don't think they're going to sweep. And Seattle's just going to be happy just, just getting in for the first time since 2001. All right, just be, just be happy. Go get smoked a couple times at Target Field, and you can go on your way. Write this down. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Is Barrio still with uh, Toronto? Yeah. He is. Not is good. Not Bad year. Going well. Mm-hmm. I was going to I was gonna say that'd be interesting to see him and the Twins go at it in the first round. So. <laughs> it would be. It would be and, awesome. And he – he goes eight, lights out, stays in the 110 <laughs> pitches, looks at the Twins' dugout, and provides a gesture that might what. show yeah. that yeah. Barrios that would is number be, one. That would just be typical Minnesota sports yeah. luck if that happens. So. It would be, wouldn't it? Yep. Yeah. The, the contract that, that he signed, I think, is is one you're looking to avoid. Because isn't he signed now until he's like 34 years old or something? Yeah, yep. yeah they locked him up, and he has not been good. Something like that. Um, all right, back to... Actually, he's he's actually been lights out lately. So he was oh, terrible early since yeah. I just looked this up. Since July first, he has made six starts. He's got a three ERA, a bunch of strikeouts. He's he's kind of found it again, but well, we'll see what happens. All right, Jason, your third and final prediction. All right, so I'm gonna make a WWE prediction because nice. I know you and Declan are fans, just like right. myself. And this will be a little bit of a parlay. So write this down: The Rock will headline this next Hall of Fame class. And at WrestleMania, he will finally go one-on-one with the head of the table. Oh, the yeah. The tribal chief, Mr. Godmode himself, Roman Reigns. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is incredible. Former Viking. Yeah. <laughs> former Viking. Dude, like you had, Brock you had Bro- Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, two former Viking Joe Asamoa? Is that right? Joe An- Anoa. Anoa. Right? Anoa. Anoa. Yeah, yep. from the Anoa family. And now yeah, he yeah. is he is the head of the table, Judd. Just like Judd is the head of the table. I like when Judd goes into God mode on Purple Daily, too, and just goes apoplectic on his five-minute rants in the pie chart of blame. But, uh, Jason, since you've got this life-changing platform here now on Mackie and Judd, our chief meme officers, anyone in your life you'd like to thank that brought you here? Well, you know, I mentioned my dad earlier. I want to thank him again. Um, he passed away around this time last year, so he unfortunately he didn't get the, a chance to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before he passed away. 
So I'm hoping someday I'll be able to see that on both of our parts. And uh, of course, like so many men have done before me, I got to thank my wife for not only supporting me, but putting up with my fandom at times, because I'm sure we don't make it easy on our ladies at times. No. And Smart lastly, lastly, I want to thank you guys, because you guys are awesome, and you keep me very entertained throughout the day. I'm a courier, so I pull in 10, 12, sometimes 14-hour shifts, and I listen to you guys when I'm working. So thank you very much. Thank you for keeping it real, and don't let the haters tell you otherwise. You guys keep doing your thing, because you're awesome. So Thank, thank you, man. You. Jason, Appreciate awesome Jason. stuff. And you're, this may sound cryptic, but... I think you'll get it. Uh, you're always welcome in the, the Dead Parents Club here that is Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily. So uh, we've, been, we've been through that, all of us, a number of times before. So we got your back, man. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, all right. Jason. Take care. That's our chief meme officer, Jason, making his predictions. All right, Judd, before we get to uh, the last round here and your final prediction. Yes, sir. Declan, let's tell the people that have dirty lake areas oh. and weeds what they can do to fix you it. You know, uh, old klutzy uh, De- Dex Tweets just spilt a beverage on himself. I need some Aquaside on my own self to pick up the muck that was just uh, spilt on my pants and on all over my laptop. And you can also, though, I recommend putting that Aquaside, though, in the pond or the lake home that you have. I was on Shell Lake in Wisconsin over the weekend, and that's an Aquaside lake. You can jump off the dock. You don't got to worry about stepping in that lake weed and algae, which just kills any vibe. The Aquaside pellets are safe. They're registered with the EPA and the DNR. So these are safe products. They help you remove all that lake weed and algae. You can get these products online. Aquaside.com to learn more. Aquaside.com to learn more. All right, back to Judd here. Write this down. Third and final. The San Diego Padres, that's right, the Friars, who have now have Juan Soto. They, they've got um, Tatis coming back. They are going to represent the National League. In the wow. World Series, wow! They are going Dude. to they are going to get through the the hated Dodgers. They are going to get through the Mets in their what could be magical year, and the Padres are going to get to the World Series. It's kind of amazing how aggressive the Padres have been. They've said as an organization, we're just going to take we're going to take a thirty million dollar loss in terms of revenue last year, and we're going to go eat forty plus million dollars of Eric Hosmer's contract to get his ass out, so we can bring. These players and Josh Bell and Juan Soto in, and they're not a top five or six market. They're just they just got sick of being pushed around by the Dodgers. Yes, so yeah, it's remarkable. What if it was Eric Hosmer that stopped Juan Soto from coming to San Diego? That would have been just an absolutely incredible. Well, he sort of did, and they didn't care. Yeah, that I don't I don't know why people were reporting like, oh, Eric Hosmer is the one. No, that they just traded him to uh, Boston. Yeah, now they I think what they were probably hoping was that. Somebody else would eat more money, but mm-hmm. no, dude. Eat more money. <laughs> yeah, that, when, that when, there's, when there's 30 minutes left before the trade deadline, yeah. you're desperate. You have to eat that money. But they're doing it. It's a small mid-market team that's just mm-hmm. willing to eat a bunch of money. and mm-hmm. well, No excuses. All right, Declan, your third and final. Uh, the last one. I'm, trying, I'm going to will this one also into uh, existence, and it'll come off the board by next week. Write this down. The Wild will acquire... An established NHL player between now and next week's write that down, and I'll put the established requirement at 200 games. He has played 200 games in the NHL. They will acquire, whether that's sign or trade, they will acquire a player who has played at least 200 games between now and next week's write that down. Okay. No activity. I want something to happen here, Billy. All right. Write that down. Somebody just sent us here on Twitter, speaking of Billy. Today. I don't know how accurate this is, but someone sent us this. It's a... Oh. screenshot or a graphic from a triple play baseball on Facebook. And it's a Tony Gwynn quote where he says, 
Remember these two things. Play hard and have fun. Just like Spurgey said. All due respect to T. Gwynn. F that. Not a champion. Right? He didn't win a world. I mean, God Ooh. bless him. He didn't, he didn't win a World Series. Nope, he did not. Maybe he would have won a World Series if he wasn't just two. focused on having fun. Went to two, didn't win a World Series. Mm-hmm. Okay, right this time, I'm going to make a WWE prediction as well. I nice. was kind of telling telling Declan this via text the other night. I said, hey, with Triple H taking over, I have a hunch that one of his favorite NXT wrestlers is going to get a nice little push here. And sure enough, Tommaso Ciampa is going to face Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship, Judd. No so write this down. About. I think it's the start of a feud. I don't know if it's going to happen. It's a parlay here. It's a parlay. So I don't know. They might slow cook it. Maybe he loses the first match or something. But write this down. Two things are going to happen between now and the end of the year. Number one, Tommaso Ciampa will turn on the Miz. So he's currently the Miz's bodyguard. He will turn on the Miz. And number two, he will hold a WWE championship of some kind. Off the record, probably the U.S. championship. That's the one that he's fighting for now. He's going to turn on Miz, and he's going to win a WWE championship of some kind before the end of the year. Right now. Uh, what, 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 and, oh, but between now and the end of the year, is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I think they have four pay-per-views left, or premium events, as they call them now, between now and the end of the year, and he'll, he'll get okay. it. So there you go. Those are your write-that-down predictions and accountability no sessions. I still have no idea what, what you were talking about, but I'll take your word for it. The, U- the United States Championship, one of the long-time Harley Race, Dusty Rhodes, Where's the one Rick Flair. held? That was, that, was, that was the 24-7 championship. <laughs> that was my favorite. You just, like, arbitrarily go around with, with it and, like, get tackled at some point and pinned and, and you lose yeah, it. It's like great. Like grocery it's, store, like in it's, a grocery store. It's always, you always have to be on high alert. It's the 24-7 championship. So, basically, if I have the championship, as long as you bring a ref with you somewhere, like if, <laughs> If you know that I'm at the grocery store and you bring a ref into the grocery store, you can take you can start a match and take me on. Did Gronk lose anywhere. it eventually? Didn't he lose? He had it for like two months, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. It was really dumb. And then he lost it. I don't remember how he lost yeah. it. But, you know. Gronk was Gronk was supposed to be what Logan Paul has become now, which is like bringing an out like an athletic celebrity that can come in here. Mm. And now Logan Paul is a uh, is probably one of the best actual wrestlers on their roster, even though he's only done it like two or three times. Gronk's got time again now. He's retired again, so. Could see it. Could see go it. back at him. Yep. All right, there it is. Mackie and Judd got the uh, Twins trade deadline reaction. Write that down predictions. And uh, more write that down over on Purple Daily and Judd's continued camp notes as well. So check it out. We'll see you guys tomorrow.